You are now listening to the Claim It Podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. I love getting into the journey of their life, the many careers they've had, the dreams they had of what they thought they wanted, what they pursued, all of it. Because I feel so often we are putting our feelings of being fulfilled, successful, enough, worthy, lovable out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, constantly chasing. And I feel we can claim those things right now, no matter where you are, in your life, in your career, in your journey. On today's episode, I'm so excited that I got to talk to Nakia Homer. I found her in this last year on social media, and she's been one of my favorite people to follow. She, I mean, we kind of have a similar vibe, but it's just, yeah, I mean, just love everything that she puts out. And she published a book last year called I Hope This Helps. So yeah, I wanted to know, who was she? Where did she come from? <laughs> Because for me, she was like new and interesting. Um, And so it was so interesting um, to hear about her life path and journey. So let's get into it. So yeah, I like talking about like getting to know how you grew up. What was life like for you growing up? And then especially I feel like the high school years, because that's where I feel like we can definitely feel the pressure of what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And whether it's outside pressure or internal. Mm. Interesting. So I I don't know how much of my story that you know, but I actually built my brand and my platform on sharing my story. And it's not something that I generally love to do or love to do or always knew I'd do. It's just the one thing that um, everyone asked for. So I grew up um, the child of teenage parents in the projects in New Jersey. My mom was 15 and my dad was um, 16, going on 17 when I was born. And so if you can imagine a 15 and a 16 year old engaging in activities that led to a baby, they really had no idea what they were doing. Um, So my paternal grandmother raised me, my dad's mom. So I actually grew up in the home with my dad, uncle and aunt. um, And we literally grew up together. Um, We grew up together there right around the corner from my mom, still had a great relationship with her. But growing up, my grandma was mom. And I kind of had sort of like a friendly sibling parent relationship with my parents. Did you call your grandmother mom, though, or what did you call her? Yeah, the interesting story about that is, of course, most babies just say the words mom and dad because of how um, it feels on their tongue, how it feels on their lips, the vibration. I I studied this trying to figure out why they... (laughs) how they know how to say it or do it. Um, So yeah, my mom growing up as an infant, my grandmother literally took me home from the hospital. So that's what I mean by raised me. She brought me home and I was hers, um, raised as hers. So yeah, I called her mom, but I also called my mom, mom. And it wasn't until I got older and they would be in the same room. And when I said mom, they would both look that I started calling my grandma, um, grandmom. That's why I don't say grandmother or grandma. I call her grandmom. And then I call my mom, always called my mom, mom. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. I was just thinking about that. Cause yeah, I mean, we don't think about that stuff. Yeah. As kids, but, um, 
yeah, if you're living and she's the one that's primarily caring for you. And that's so great that you were able to stay within the families and that your mom was still a part of your life. And that like, I actually was just thinking yesterday, I had a bunch of friends in high school that got pregnant as, as, and I was just, I don't know why I was thinking about, but like the challenges of that. Um, so that's amazing that you're raised like that, but I'm guessing that also had its own challenges. And how did you, did that affect you when you were younger? And like, you know, with, once you started to get older and like kids asking about your family or noticing and stuff like that, like, how did that affect you and how you felt about yourself and your self-esteem or did it? Cause it doesn't have to. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely did. And um, one of the reasons why it did is because, so where I grew up, everyone um, had a non-traditional family home life. So it wasn't um, a space where there was generally a mother, a father, and children. There were other children that were raised by their grandparents, children who were raised by single parents, um, children who were fostered, adopted, etc. And so in my immediate environment, in my home area, it was normal. But around 10, well, at 10, I was bused from where I lived to another school in another city. Um, and it was a private school. It was a Christian school. And so the dynamic, the family dynamic was totally different. So it wasn't until then that I realized that what I, how I was raised or how I was living wasn't, you know, normal or a uh, lack of a better word. Now there are so many things that are normal to us that were not normal back then. Um, but at the time it wasn't the norm in my school environment. And so I, I, felt myself or I had to, um, when asked questions, kind of explain. And one of the things I started to do as an adult was trauma-informed trainings for um, social workers and adults and leaders who work with children who are at risk or children who come from the environment I come from. And there was um, instances on Mother's Day where the teacher would say, make a card for your mom. And I'm like, my card goes to my grandma. That's just what I did. And so if they didn't know me or read up in my chart or whatever, they would have to, we would have this conversation where I'm like, no, I make my card for my grandma. Um, and then I have to explain to my children or on, um, you know, parents day, we had something like parents day where your parents come to school. My grandma came. So I would have to explain. So it was around then that I realized that, okay, this is not how a lot of people grow up or everyone I thought it was. And I did feel different. I felt like the girl who didn't have the things that everyone else had had or the type of environment. I felt the need to explain myself. And I started to leave parts of me at home as a child. So there was one life that I lived in the hood and then one life that I lived in school for eight hours. And um, sometimes they were cross if they saw me out, you know, at the grocery store or something like that. But for the most part, no one really knew what was happening at home. And um, to answer your question directly, as far as how did it affect me being raised by my grandmother and not my mom, I grew up with a rejection complex. And um, I recently wrote a book um, called I Hope This Helps. And in the introduction, I shared a little bit about what I felt um, growing up with my grandmother instead of my mom. So yeah, I had a bit of a rejection complex. I was constantly explaining myself. And although I felt fine and I was okay, I also felt different because it wasn't the story everyone else was telling. 
do you remember like were other kids sort of making you feel like you were wrong or was it more just yourself jumping to that conclusion because you were different or both? It was a little of both. It was absolutely projection um, because I would look at them um, and see differences and then I felt away. So we didn't have a conversation about it. No one asked me. I just saw the difference and felt away. But then there were also times when I was asked a question and then answered truthfully and faces were made or um, questions that just kept going, kept going, which made me feel like I had to explain myself. Yeah. Um, and then there were moments where children were just mean. So um, I came from a school that wasn't as good as the school I went into. So I was behind in reading. Um, I also was home alone. I was a latchkey kid um, from kindergarten. So as far as homework is concerned, because my grandmother was working up to three jobs to take care of us, um, I didn't have anyone at home with me going through reading and writing and math. And so I struggled. Um, and it wasn't until I got into that, you know, different school that I kind of had to catch up um, with everyone else. And kids were mean about it if I stuttered over words. Um, I joke now, but to this day, I am horrible at spelling because I didn't have anyone there, you know, going over sight words with me. So, yeah, it was a little of both. Off topic, but also on topic, since you were like mentioning, like, you know, having to constantly explain I, my kid, I might have my first kid in like the school system now, but even though we're virtual, but TK and I've already just been noticing, you know, like, and I think from social media seeing, you know, like the teachers saying like, oh, you're adults, like ask your adults or bring this home to your adults. And like, I like how like necessary and how like compassionate that feels and that because, yeah, these days, mm -hmm. all days all days. There have been so many different types of families, but especially, I guess we're more aware of them. It's just like, yeah, you don't know. And even like your situation really like, that's amazing. Like how much, even though you're, everyone was working so hard and they might not, you were alone, but also like that was a family coming together, right. Or doing their best to raise you. So to me, I see a lot of love, even though you're like, I don't obviously know the whole thing. And like the fact of being like made wrong or like being second guessed because you're going to make a card for your grandmom instead of your mom. And, um, yeah, I guess. I mean, we just got to like know more and keep saying that to people. So whoever's listening and if you're a teacher or no teacher, let's say you're who are your kids adults <laughs> or is that? <laughs> yes. Yes. That would have made a world of a difference. I wouldn't have felt um, singled out. I wouldn't have felt the need because I like I said, I then grew up explaining myself everywhere I went, you know, even when no one asked me, I didn't just say my name. I said my name and my story. Um, I said my name and often my circumstances. And it wasn't until I grew up and healed from um, what turned out to be childhood trauma, because there were other things that happened that I realized I don't have to explain myself. I can just show up as myself. And whatever you don't know about me, if you ask, I can tell you um, with surety, with confidence, because I'm okay with it. Um, and like you said, although there's always been different types of family dynamics, it's a lot more accessible to us. We're able to see into the lives of other people um, thanks to social media. And so things that used to be kept secret are now um, sometimes and sometimes not. Okay. Yeah, that's true. I mean, social media can have downsides, but I do think that it really can spread information and looking at different situations and people, because also if like you only know what's ever you know. So if people only know whatever was in their school district and if people weren't talking about things, because also it doesn't, a lot of times with sharing the story, yeah, like that feels like we're allowed to then 
have our own story and our own different too. And if everybody's keeping everything private, which you're allowed to keep things private, but yeah, and sometimes, yeah, you automatically make like everyone else is like this and I'm different when we really have a lot more in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about, sure. um, yeah, like high school ages and were you of the mind of I'm going to go to college? Did any of your, did your family, did you come from, you know, was that college or was it, I need to get a job right away and have work? I'm guessing you might have worked throughout high school. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone talks about high school and how formative those years were, but because of my circumstances started long before um, high school, it was actually at age 10 that I was sitting in some, when I tell the story, I tell it so specific, but the details are not as clear (laughs) as I tell the story. I'm just so used to telling it. So anyway, I was sitting in an assembly with other kids like me, um, the same type of background at risk youth um, and teens. And there was, you know, someone who came in to the community to motivate us to do better, um, to strive to do more than, you know, generation we were in or the generation before us. And when she was talking, she was, um, you know, espousing all of these um, statistics about people like us. So she said things like, if you are raised in an environment where um, there's drugs and alcohol, you're more likely to become involved in drugs and alcohol. If you are born to teenage parents, you're more likely to become a teenage parent. If your parents were smokers, et cetera, you know, if you came in poverty, et cetera. And she just kept going. And while I was sitting there, this is the first time anyone's ever said this that I've heard. Um, So while I'm sitting there, I'm thinking two things like one, you know, why are you telling my business? Because everything she said was actually a part of my story. And then two, I thought to myself, no, I'm not like just because they did doesn't mean I have to. Um, I'm always given you know, hand claps and accolades for saying that at 10, but it wasn't like a huge moment for me. It literally just maybe a bit of rebellion. Um, I'm a Taurus, so I'm a little, you know, (laughs) bullheaded, but I was just like, nah, you know, not me. It didn't sit right with me. It didn't resonate with me. It didn't feel like my story. And so that day before high school even started, I decided that I was going to set a goal of to get out of the hood I was going to set a goal to not be a teenage parent. And I was set a goal to not be in an abusive relationship over the course of maybe three years. I made these decisions. So from 10 to 13, these are the the life decisions I was making for myself. And I didn't know any other way to do it except to graduate high school and college so that I can get paid enough money to make these things happen. And so that was my life starting at 10. So by the time I went to high school, I had already been working since I was 12. Um, I had a job after school. I didn't go do sports. I worked. Um, As a latchkey kid, I didn't want to be home by myself a lot. So working was something that I did to kind of distract myself from being alone um, and to get out of the hood. I, I spent eight hours in school and then another four to six hours at work. So I was in the environment less. Um, than others. And so by the time I was in high school, I had my whole life mapped out. What did you, what were you able to do at 12 for work? So um, two things. My grandmother was also a caterer. So one of her three jobs was catering um, 
on the weekends and she would do dinners for like the mayor of the city and officials in their homes for Christmas, Thanksgiving, things like that. So I helped her and eventually she paid me. But I also had um, family, friends of the family who owned businesses in the area. So they let me stock the shelves. And then the third thing I was able to do is there was a, a nonprofit organization who received funding for employing at-risk youth to keep them off the street. And so I would do things like work at the summer camps in the summer or in the after program, like creating flyers and and things for marketing. And then I went on to be a home inspector. I did a lot. I worked many jobs through that. As I got older, I was able to do more with that nonprofit agency. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and resourcefulness, just like, let me help. Let me work. (laughs) It's me, Trisha, popping in to remind you, have you gotten my daily inspiration app yet? It's available in the Google Play and the Apple App Stores. It's only a one-time fee of $3.99 and there's no ads or anything. And I add cards to it. There's already hundreds of powerful thoughts and affirmations, but I do add more from time to time. So it's something you can come to at any time of the day and get a little dose of inspiration, of joy, maybe a kick in the butt. I just opened it and I got, let it go, let it go, let it go so that you can let it flow. You can hit the show me a card button. I let my heart lead me. I hit show me a card again. I acknowledge what I have done and who I am at my core instead of beating myself up for what I have not done yet. Affirmations, thoughts all kinds. And you can also set a daily reminder in the app. So you can go into the settings daily and then set a time that every day you'll get a reminder to go check the app and pull a card. Because, you know, we forget to do the things that bring us joy and that make us feel good. So set a reminder time and also come to it any time you want. You can favorite your favorites. You can share easily from the app. Go check it out. It's called own your awesome. Awesome. So then when you are getting close to graduating high school and you know you want to go to college, but do you have an idea of what you want to do or just like I'm getting to college? Yeah, I know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to do everything in in all the things. <laughs> so it started out with me. <laughs> I wanted to be I, I watched the stylist of the lambs long before I should have, and I was um I wanted to be a forensic psychologist. I wanted to be a criminal profiler. So my first idea was to go into wow. the FBI. Um, but I knew I needed to go get my bachelor's degree. Um, and I chose psychology. And then um, I was able to be mentored by someone who was affiliated with the FBI during college. And I realized you have to actually be a field agent. You can't just go in there and find out who Hannibal Lecter is. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to carry a gun and like actually be in the field. So I changed that to wanting to do a few other things. But I stuck with what I went in for, which is psychology. Got it. But yeah, but, but when you chose psychology, it wasn't with the idea of I'm going to be a therapist. It was like, this will get me to my FBI forensic science. <laughs> it was. That's what I wanted to do. I want, and it's not actually that far removed. So growing up, I lost a lot of um, friends and relatives to the judicial system. And so I was, 
I knew these people as people, whereas the rest of the world saw them when they came into the justice system. Um, So they knew them by their offenses. I knew that there was something behind it. So I was always so um, mesmerized by people who are great or grow up under certain circumstances to go off to choose other things that you didn't think that they would change. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was layered. Um, and so, yeah. So then once you realize you're gotta be an FBI agent or field when you don't want to do that. So you, did you just stick with like, okay, I'm going to work in site. Like, did you start a practice? Like, where did you end up doing? Yeah. I, I, I kind of bounced around a little bit. I said, okay, I won't work as a profiler for the FBI, but I'll work as a um, consultant for the judicial system. Someone who testifies um, on behalf or against um, someone who's committed an offense of some sort. And so I studied human behavior and I did all of those classes and and I applied and got accepted into John Jay University in New York um, to study forensic psychology and grad school. And I started working at a halfway house um, while in college still and realized I didn't want to work with criminals in an intimate setting, not at the time. So it just kept changing. Ultimately, what I ended up doing is becoming a social worker for the state of New Jersey. And again, not far removed from the circumstances I grew up in and wanting to give back in some way, I worked in child protection because I know that there's more to the story of a parent who leaves their kid home so they can go to work. And so um, I did that for a few years before leaving that all to become a songwriter <laughs> and support my husband in a, a music business. And then whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. we need to pause. We need to pause. <laughs> yeah. So you're, yeah. Yeah, so you're working as a social worker, which I, I imagine has got to be pretty heart, heart wrenching and heart filling mm-hmm. work perhaps. Yeah. Um, and then go to songwriting. I'm guessing songwriting had been part of your life then before you just make the switch. You're just like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit social. Absolutely Are you not. kidding me? Okay. Tell me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you at all. I had no, I had no background in music. I did, you know, double major in musical theater. Um, but because of acting, um, so this is my thing. I believe we're born with gift, talent, skills, and a, a purpose, a calling, all of the above. And my theory for purpose is that our purpose is to become the best version of ourselves. And a lot of people overlook the skills and the abilities, the desires and the interests um, because they're looking at how someone else is living out their purpose. Um, and so I'm like, if God gave it to me, I'm gonna figure out how to use it in some way. Um, if I can learn more about it, I'll study it. If I can do it as a hobby, I'll do that. So it's not that I set out to do any of these things, um, you know, like one day, this is what I'm going to do. It just is a natural part of me becoming better, um, and a, a better version of myself. That's all I mean by better. Um, and so just listening to music. And my husband has some music, no lyrics, just music. I would come up with lyrics. I didn't know that I could write music. I just one day was singing and singing a melody and lyrics. And he's like, who wrote that? And I'm like, oh, I did. (laughs) And he's like, you write music? And I'm like, oh, guess I do. And I started writing music. I've always been a writer, um, just writing in journals, writing poetry, writing my thoughts. I have 
poems that are journals that date back to the time of being 13 and 14 um, that I can read right now. Um, so I guess maybe it's, I, I see it as a gift. And so I used it. So your husband, was he working, <laughs> was he working as a musician or he, he, so. Yeah. So that's his thing. Music is his thing. He was a, uh, traveling at the time he was a bassist playing for like all the big um you know artists in the 90s and 2000 and then he decided to go out on his own and create music instead of just playing someone else's music and then when I met him that's what he was doing and I just could contribute to it that's just got how it, it so you're at the time you were so working as a social worker at the time and he has decided mm-hmm. to stop touring and are you you've met, when you've met him he wasn't touring right he was Oh, he, okay. he was Got still it, touring, he, uh-huh. but he had just made a decision to so stop. He's making, so, trying to be at home and um, make music for other artists mm-hmm. when they're yeah. recording songs. I need a new song, this or yeah. whatever. And so then exactly. he just catches you. Wait, you wrote that song and all of a sudden you're just like, why not try this? Amazing. Yep. That's the story. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's the story. <laughs> and yeah. so how long, and did it work? Did you... Yeah, were you able to? Did you guys work together as a yeah, team? Yeah, I can or? say it worked. Um, yeah, we worked together as a team. Um, it's crazy. I ended up writing for some of my childhood idols. Um, some of our work hit the Billboard charts in Christian genre, as well as we did work for a boy band and secular music. So yeah, it worked. <laughs> I negotiated our deals. I represented us in court against someone's copyright infringement. I told you, I believe in just all the things. <laughs> um, but I did step away from writing music a few years ago to work more on doing more of, becoming more of myself. So that was an extension of me that contributed to the life of our family and his business. Um, but I abandoned my own to do that. And so, you know, after a few years, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go back to doing what I want to do a little bit more because I couldn't, I didn't have the time to do all the things, children, life. Um, But yeah, so I had to run at all those things. Let me tell you, I've been a social worker, a songwriter, a makeup artist, um, a counselor at a halfway house. I've been um, a barista at Starbucks. (laughs) Um, I literally done it all. And all of it has contributed to me being this version of me today. I love that. I love hearing, you know, the people's stories of like having multiple different careers and stuff. Because I feel like growing up, I was taught and the majority of people taught like, you pick a job and you do it for the rest of your life. Maybe you move up in that world or you maybe go to a different (laughs) company. And I just think that's bullshit. Like I've, yeah, it's like, why not do something and then change your mind or decide this calls to you or be like, this isn't, um, but what do you, when you made that call to quit social work and try the songwriting, like, what do you feel like gave you the within to just be like, yeah, why not? You know, was it, why not try this? Or like, you know, this belief that like, I can do this or I can at least try this. Cause so many people would not do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, it wasn't any, like I said, it wasn't any real deep thought. I am successful at anything I put my mind to, anything I want to do generally. And I've had success in all of those careers I mentioned. 
It's not like I did it, failed and tried something else. Um, I believe everyone has the capacity to do good things and great things at what they're good and great at. So when I talk to my clients and they're like, oh, you do this and that. I'm like, yeah, I do this and that only because I'm good at those things. So I'm not going to do other things that I know I'll fail at. So I guess having done so much up until that point, um, even at a young age, again, because of my circumstances, I was um, pushed into being doing adult things even as a child. I had experience with myself when I make a decision. So I knew that if I tried it and studied, I had a mentor, like I really did the work. I threw myself into it, which is why I quit one thing to do the other. I knew it'd be successful. Um, That's it. (laughs) Yeah. I think we have, you know, that coming like where I have done a lot of things that have seemed like what? And people not believing me. And that like the biggest thing I all I have so many biggest things, but one of the biggest things I always come back to is like, yeah, you really just have to believe in yourself that like you can make it work. Like you said, yeah, you had to. It's not like you're immediately good and you're immediately but like, yeah, you work on it. You have an idea, you believe in it and you like keep showing up and believing in this possibility. You can make it happen. It might not happen in your timing or how you expect it will happen or. um, Yeah, but like exactly you can make it happen. And I had a lot of explaining to do. My family, my grandmother in particular was like, you can do what? You know, and no one I knew knew anyone who was successful at music. So they were all questioning me. (laughs) And we lived that starving artist lifestyle while we were building it. So it appeared to be a failure um, depending on what season we were in. Um, But we made it. So it wasn't like, yeah, he was you know, he was getting work doing it, but it wasn't like he already had this great big success and it was like an easy choice of, great, I don't even have to think about money because you've got it set and I'll just climb up, you know, I'll just join in. It was like, really? No, no, it was leave. It was literally leaving one thing to start another. So yeah, he built himself as a musician, but now he has to build that same thing build himself up to be a producer, which is totally different. They're not the same. Someone can play music, someone else writes, but that doesn't mean you can write it. So yeah, we started from the the ground up. And when you decided you were ready to leave that too, was that something, you know, did you have to go back and forth on that or something too? Because it's also like, oh, this is something you've been successful at. You're making money as a songwriter, writing for other people and doing these things. And so then is there a fear of if I stop doing this and I focus more on what I feel like, you know, wanting to do and give serve in my ways a different way. Like, like how, yeah. Did you fear like, how are we going to be able to support ourselves or. Yeah, I, so there's (laughs) the story gets deep. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Um, it wasn't an easy choice. Um, again, this is something I was contributing to. So I wasn't the whole of it. So my husband is still making music and doing his thing. It's just, I'm doing my thing somewhere else. And I still support him on whatever he needs. And whenever I can, I've written music for other people as well. Um, but so, yeah, it, it wasn't an easy decision and, but it was, it was me choosing me. And I have been teaching people to choose themselves. I never stopped doing, um, various versions of what I do now, which is support other aspiring women um, on their journey to healing from childhood trauma or past trauma, um, learning to love themselves or um, getting over the strong friend or strong person complex 
and allowing themselves to just be without being everything to all the people. I've been doing that. So I started a blog and just wrote every week. Um, I built an email list and just poured into people every week. Um, And then I turned that into something um, more. So I guess to say I practiced it and saw that it was viable before saying, yeah, I'm going to put more effort into this. Got it. And did the blog just start from like you wanting, you know, you're just writing and sharing and then I'll put it up, you know, oh, okay, I'll put it up there. And then sort of like realizing how good that felt in the response that like, I want to be. Yeah, actually, it started with the emails. And then one of um, the people that was reading my work and that I was kind of supporting um, was like, you're going to do this online. And she literally built me a website and was like, here, amazing. Put a blog up. <laughs> so that's how, so that it's it went from being emails that to being That is interesting. Blog. How do you start with emails first? Like, did you already have some sort of newsletter for something else? Or was it just like friends? Like, no, that? I sent it to Got people it. I knew. Just everybody in my little contact Got list. It. Hey, this month, I hope this helps. So at first, she was like, this helps. And you need to do it. this so more. At first, it was just like sort of a group email, like to your friends. Like, here, these are yes. my thoughts. Not like, oh, I've signed up on MailChimp and everybody sign up. Like, you're just like, amazing. Yeah, she, her name's Serena. She literally set all that up for me. She built a website. She did the MailChimp thing. <laughs> she bought the .com um, and was like, here, do this here from now See, on. This is why I like getting into these stories of like that, because people can feel like it's so hard. Or I want to give back or I have something to say or share. Where do I put like, just start, just send some emails to your friends. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Like, you know, who's going to be like, yes, we need this. Or just, yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. there were so many things that you mentioned that I wanted to touch back on, but <laughs> let's see. <laughs> um, yeah. And so your book. Is that something, so did you end up self-publishing that? I did. I self-published the book. And was Mm -hmm. that just, again, like this sort of you had created, like, did it even like, did you have the intention I'm going to set a book or was it, you know, like all of these things like, I'm oh my gosh, I have so much I want to, you know, say or have said, I'm going to put it in a book or. Mm -hmm. Whenever I do interviews or talk to people in this way, I get a, a picture of what people see when they look at me. So everything's a story. And I didn't realize that. I'm like, wow, there is a there is a story behind every single thing I do. Um, that same friend, um, Serena and I would get on the phone um on the weekends to talk, or once a week we would try to talk, you know, talk to each other and support each other and what we were doing. And so um she was like, Yeah, you need a book, like you need to do a book. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try it. I'll try to do a book. And this was years ago. Um, but I've, I've written several books. So it wasn't like that was the book. I, I wrote several. But then I was like, yeah, I want to I wanna be published. I want someone to give me an advance and market me. And I want to do it that way. Like, I don't want to have to do it myself. And I don't want to put out a book unless I see someone really wanting a book. Um, and so I wrote it and put it down. And then I picked it back up again after so many people on Instagram. That's like the very first thing I get when people come upon my um, profile for the first time. Is there a book? So I was like, okay, they're asking for a book. Let me do the book. And I put it down again. And in 2015, um, I put it down. And then last year, which turned out to be a difficult year for many, 2020, 
um, I went into the year with my grandmother, who was my mother, um, being sick. And I live in Georgia. She lives in Jersey. And I didn't realize how sick she was. It turned out to be terrible. And she passed away in March of last year. And unexpectedly, even though she was old and not well, I just didn't expect it to happen like that. And so I had some difficulty around acceptance of that. Um, And the struggle of seeing her deteriorate so quickly over a short period of time. So I wasn't able to sleep at night. And so while I was up, I picked up the book and just started writing. No intention of writing a book or putting it out. It was just what I did because I couldn't sleep and to help me. Um, so that was in March. She passed away. Three months later, my dad died of COVID, um, her son. Yeah. And so I had to process him. He he was no longer married. So I had to process, you know, supporting him on Zoom um, because it's COVID. I can't be there with him. He died in the hospital alone. Um, and I wrote my grandmother's obituary. And then I wrote my dad's obituary. And then I wrote my book to heal. It was literally me doing something with the grief and the late night not being able to sleep. And while I was writing, I shared a few excerpts from the book online and they went viral. And when they went viral, so many people were saying, this helped me put my words into perspective. This helped me not feel alone. Someone one day was like, I was going to kill myself today. And I didn't because of your words. And so I was like, okay. It's more than me getting this pub deal. It's more than me healing um, my own, you know, grief of losing two beloveds in three months. It's for everyone. And so um, I was going to just publish the book and give to my family in honor of my dad and grandma. But I ended up self-publishing it and putting it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm so I think that's there's so many things to say. First of all, I'm so sorry about the passing of both your grandma and your dad. And then that putting your words like, yeah, like using that time where you can't sleep and you're feeling all of those things. And grief is so hard. Like it is so hard, but it's also hard because I don't, we don't like, we don't have really have tools to deal with grief. And it's so like, I lost my father suddenly in 2008 and and it's still like, I mean, it it ended up really changing my life. Like, that's what I, I was a, li- a touring live sound engineer and stopped that. I was like, I have to do something to wake people up um, and live their lives. And that's where the whole joyologist everything has like sort of come from in my daily reminder. But um, like grief is so unpredictable and it's so unique, but yet not, you know, like, cause it's like everyone has it, but it's like, we all feel in this one way. So, I mean, I've been, but when I went through all of that, I didn't see like an yeah, Instagram. I mean, I would probably, had, I don't even know. Social media wasn't really a thing. And I think now, like I follow some people that like write about grief and different things like that. And even though that big thing was so many years ago, I think it's so great. Another good thing about social media is like this thing, like people being able to talk about these things and like sharing about like, it's okay to hurt and it's okay to feel. And like, just like, even though grief is so unique that it's still like, it's so, it's so everyone has it in different ways and about different things. So I think, um, is the book all like, I'm guessing it doesn't all have to do with grief or does it? I hope it has nothing to do with grief necessarily yeah, yeah. and everything. I do hope with grief. this helps, right? That's the title. 
which is so yeah. good. So yeah. good. It's like so simple and perfect. And like, I hope this helps. Like you just even yeah. look down yeah. at the book and see, I hope this helps and probably would feel better. <laughs> yeah. So it, although it's not specific to grief, people who are grieving have said it helps because um, there are three sections. There's a section on, on um, healing, on life and on growth. And so I just share thoughts, words. It wasn't a book about grieving or healing. I mean, grieving, but more so healing and heartbreak, grief, you know, job loss, whatever it's in there. Yeah, there's so many. I had a friend of mine on at the very beginning of when I started this podcast, who's a grief recovery specialist. I think that's what it's called. And like, I think she said there's like over 41 types of grief. We so often think of when you, when someone passes away, but it's like, yeah, like last year or 2020, like it was so much grief in so many ways. So many changes with the loss of what we loss of what we wanted, the loss of what we expected, the loss of what we're used to, like so much loss. So, um, yeah, I've, I don't know why I haven't bought the book yet. I'm definitely buy it as soon as we hang up. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, you. what's next for you and your, like, what are you now in the world? Yeah. Like dreaming up and being, yeah, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Just- <laughs> just more of what I do. Um, it's funny. You said like when people talk about, yeah, I want to do this and I want to do that. And you're like, well, just, just do it. It doesn't have to be big. It can be an email list and then turn into something. I think most people who have something that is meaningful, um, many people, I won't say most, didn't really set out to do a big thing. It's just doing more of what it is that they do. And so my plan is to um, speak life into people who feel like life is not worth living to support people who feel like they are not seen and not heard. Um, and I do that through speaking. I do that through writing. Um, I do that through one-on-one mentoring. Um, and I'm just going to keep doing that. (laughs) I have, um, been asked to write another book and not have to self-publish it myself. Um, I haven't told anyone yet. Um, I haven't even fully made the decision yet, so I may or may not do that. Either way, whether I do it myself or through a publisher, another book will happen. Um, and yeah, just supporting more people as much as I can. Yeah, I can definitely feel, like I said, even though I don't have the book in my hands, but just from like following you, that you've definitely got more books in you for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got so many stories. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for bringing them, pulling. Okay, I'm gonna get to real. People are like, "You're deep." I'm like, "Oh, talking to you, I I am kind of deep, huh?" <laughs> um, I'm gonna get to the things I ask everybody real quick. I'm gonna bring up this picture. I have a product line. Oops, and these are phrases um, that go on keychains in my product line. Can you see them? Beautiful. So I mm-hmm. ask every guest to pick not necessarily which phrase they like the most, but which one they feel they would like as a reminder in their life right now and why. Like something that you want to see every I mean, day. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I see several. So I see a, I am enough. It was the first one I read. And then I see everything is going my way, which is um, sort of an affirmation and a prayer I use. It's a, it's a vari- variation of that. Um, so I love that one. And then um, I choose joy because that's something that I've had to actively do over the last year. I one another reason I put out the book is because I didn't want 2020 to go down in history as the worst year of my life. Um, although it was troubling, it was a struggle. It was heartbreaking. 
because I put the book out, um, it wasn't the worst year. The year I became a published author after becoming a published songwriter and all the other things. So when I look back on that year, I chose to do that. So I think if I had to choose between the three, I said it would probably be I choose joy. Awesome. Um, speaking of that, the next question is, is what do, what's a go to to raise your joy levels when you are like, OK, I mm-hmm. I need to prioritize joy right now. I need to feel some joy. Yeah. Um, so it, the people that I serve are kind of coping or pushing through things. And those things that they're coping with and pushing through, they can't escape. It's a part of their life. So it's in their home life. It's on their job, et cetera. And so there are ways that we can cope with coping, um, distraction, avoidance, or um, actually there are several others. So what I do um, when I have an immediate situation that I'm trying to push through or deal with, I distract myself with music, um, with comedy, because I love to laugh. So some fun comedy shows or memes, or for me, um, my children always bring me joy. So I'll go into their rooms and look at my teenage daughter and she'll look like, what do you want? (laughs) And that'll crack me up. I'll go to my son who loves everything about me um, and he'll instantly boost me. So I do immediate um, things to distract me. Um, I do things to distract me from the immediate um, struggle. Yeah, and that's exactly what I like. Yeah, I'm asking about it's like because I've realized it's not like we have to can't like ignore the challenges of our lives and the hardships that we have. But it's like, so that's for me, I'm like, you got to prioritize joy every day. And that means like, yeah, the simple stuff, like, let me have a dance party. Let me walk outside and look at the mm-hmm. sun. Let me listen to something like, yeah, like, what can you do right now to bring yourself joy? Exactly. And then energetically, because that creates a shift energetically, um, and then also a release of hormones within your body, then you're able to go back and look at whatever you're struggling with, with a little bit more confidence. Um, a little bit more know-how, a different perspective. Um, yes, yeah. agreed. Okay, I ask everybody this phrase and how to apply it to their own life. What is easiest for you is not always what is best for you, which can be like a habit, way of being. So what is easiest for me is blank. What is best for me is blank. Mm-hmm. In this moment, um, oh, what is easiest for me um, was to give up and to quit. Last year was hard and I really just wanted to pull the covers over my head. And the thing is, um, I had been struggling my whole life. One of the quotes that went extremely viral was, you are not lazy, unmotivated, or stuck. After years of living your life in survival mode, you're exhausted. Um, There's a difference. I felt exhausted and felt like I finally have an excuse. Like I lost two people in three months. 2020 got us quarantining. I got an excuse to give up. Um, and it was the e- easiest choice, but instead I chose to keep going. I chose to get up. I chose to push through it, not just for myself, but for the people who are depending on me um, to keep going and to not give up. I forget the second half. of the phrase, No, I think you I got, got it. it. What is easiest for me <laughs> to give up? What is best for me is to keep going. Because it was yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> the last question yep. is the name <laughs> of the podcast is Claim It. I do that because I think so often we are chasing like 
you know, once I do this, have this, then I'll feel enough, worthy, lovable, like can have joy or whatever. And so I feel that we can choose mm-hmm. to claim those feelings for ourselves right now, no matter what we did today, no matter what we look like, no matter what, how much money's in our bank account, whatever. So what are you claiming mm-hmm. for yourself right now? Um, I'm claiming abundance. I'm claiming joy. In spite of whatever's going on around me, um, I don't have to stay stuck in loss. I don't have to stay stuck in grief. Um, I'm claiming joy in in spite of and in the middle of all of that. Yes, stuff. I know. I think we've been, like been taught like you can only feel like one thing at a time. And that's too what I've been, especially in the last year. Like, Not so. no, you can be grieving and have joy. You can be struggling and yeah. striving, healing and hurting. My, yeah, my yes. favorite word lately is and. <laughs> and. <laughs> And absolutely. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I'll definitely be sharing the book and all your stuff. Your website, by the way, is beautiful. That same, did your same Thank friend you. do that website? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, an, that's another um, amazing um, entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur. I'm actually not done. I, I just refreshed the homepage and I'm working on the other pages now and I actually love it too yeah so no thank I you just like that. went back to it today because I think I had been to it previously but yeah I did maybe I was like today like whoa like I love this <laughs> yeah I love it too it's new so thank you for saying that <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, go follow Nakia and order her book. I hope this helps. So awesome. Um, also, if you haven't yet, would you mind subscribing and leaving a review? I, of course, love reading the reviews, but reviews are what helps podcasts become more discoverable and suggested to people. So that really helps me. And as a thank you, if you leave a review, screenshot it and send it to me at podcast at yourjoyologist.com. And I'll send you a gift from my product line. I will. I really will. For full show notes, go to yourjoyologist.com slash podcast and you'll find all the episodes there. Of course, on me, for me, I'm on social media. I'm at yourjoyologist, yourjoyologist.com. I love hearing from you. I love hearing you hearing you. I love seeing you share the episodes. You know, I can hear you through what you type. (laughs) So thank you for listening along, for sharing, for hopefully thinking. I hope that by sharing other people's journeys, that it gives you more compassion and more um, courage to do the things that you want to do. That's the point. So For the final thought of the episode, let's think about what is something that, that, you know, if I say like, what are you doing? Like, where have you been holding yourself back from something you want? What is that? And it also might be like something that you hold yourself back from like actually enjoying. Like sometimes we don't allow ourselves to enjoy a show or a food we like because we've been taught that that's wrong and we should be watching something better or we should be eating something different. So where is something that you've been holding yourself back of something you want to do? And like, just try it. Just take one little baby step. Or where's something that you're holding yourself back from like you do do it, but then you've make yourself feel wrong for doing it. (laughs) All right. Claim your joy. Claim your life. 
Claim your worth right now.